0: Good stuff today. Well, yes, uh, last week I, I had the privilege of attending church online, so I do want to say hi to all those that are that are tuning in this morning through our, our Facebook live feed, um, and if you can drop a note and say hey or hi, we'd love to, to see that. I know that many of you over time have, have tuned in a time or two, uh, and it's just a different experience. Uh, to be online, but we want to welcome you and say thanks for joining us um, there's also those who tune in later in the week as we upload our services to YouTube and have a YouTube channel too that's a little bit better quality because we can we can get better video by recording the service and then uploading it than we can with our internet connection on streaming so you know technology uh, technology wins again, but dang it we're gonna we're gonna continue to offer our services, but we want to say welcome. Uh, and thank you for being here. Um if, if for those that are online today, last week I tried to to you know just like leave comments during the sermon, you know. And if if you want to do that, I'll I'll i check every week to see what people are saying in the comment section. So um you know, if you're in service and you want to do that too, I suppose you could, you know. I want <laughs> looking down at your phone. I don't know what you're doing, but um I'll assume the best. I'll assume the best. Um but it's good to, good to have ways to, to continue to be church family together. Amen? Amen? Amen. So if you're not here but you're joining us, we want to say we love you and thanks for tuning in this way. <clears throat> our text today comes uh, once again from the Old Testament. We're, we're on this journey of Lent. Uh, and as we, as we go through and as we, as we walk towards Easter, we're going to stick uh, in the Old Testament. Um, our reading today comes from the book of Exodus, chapter twenty. Um, second book of the Bible. The first one's Genesis, and then we go to Exodus. This is going to be a familiar passage for some of you. Uh, Exodus chapter 20, uh, the passage known as the Ten Commandments. I was watching last week, and Debbie got to sing a song. Remember Father Abraham? I'm not going to sing, but there's a song to the Ten Commandments. Have you heard the song? Number one, we've just begun. God should be first in your life. Nice job, Mary Ellen. That's all I'm going to go. There's there's a little line for all ten commandments, but you'll have to find that on the internet or have Mary Ellen sing it for you. So let's just stick to the text and not my singing, okay? Everybody says amen. Okay, good stuff. Uh, So today, reading from Exodus chapter 20, we're going to start in verse 1 and finish in verse 17. Out of reverence for the reading of God's word, I invite you to stand uh, as we read. For those who are able, let's read together Exodus chapter 20, 1 through 17. Then God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You must have no other gods. Before me, do not make an idol for yourself, no form whatsoever of anything in the sky above or on the earth below or in the waters under the earth. Do not bow down to them or worship them because I, the Lord your God, am a passionate God. I punish children for their parents' sins even to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but I am loyal and gracious to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. Do not use the Lord's, Lord your God's name as if it were of no significance. The Lord won't forgive anyone who uses his name that way. Remember the Sabbath day and treat it as holy. Six days you may work and do all your tasks, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Do not do any work on it. Not you, your sons or daughters, your male or female servants, your animals, or the immigrant who is living with you because the Lord made the heavens and the earth the sea and everything that is in them in 6 days but rested on the 7th day that is why the Lord blessed the sabbath and made it holy verse 12 honor your father and your mother so that your life will be long on the life will be long on the fertile land that the Lord your God is giving you do not kill Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not testify falsely against your brother. Do not desire and try to take your neighbor's house. Do not desire and try to take your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox, donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. This is the word of God given to us, the people of God. We say thanks be to God. Please have a seat. So we are on the journey through this season of Lent. Uh, As we go, we're looking into Old Testament readings, the first readings of the lectionary cycle. And and the question question that I have to ask myself and and that perhaps you've posed also is is why? Why are we doing this? Why are we staying in the Old Testament for these readings? And I really think that they provide a a unique glimpse, a unique uh, vision into uh, a glimpse into the ways in which God has really reached out toward humanity and, and reached out toward us uh, as, we, as we kind of skip through the history of ancient Israel. Um, two weeks ago, I kind of recounted this brief history of, of Israel. I don't know if you were here, maybe you, you remember that, but we kind of started with Abram, who, who God changed his name to Abraham and called him out of the land in which he lived and called him into the land of Canaan. And we kind of skip through the history of of Israel all the way to their exile to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, And as you think about Israel and ancient Israel and this story that we find in the Old Testament, sometimes it feels very far away. Sometimes it feels uh, like a long, long, long time ago, not very relevant today. And yet what we begin to see as we journey through these texts is a God who reaches out to us, a God who extends relationship to us and extends a hand to us and says, you don't have to go it alone, and I'm here. And sometimes we ask, in the midst of that, in the midst of realizing that, we ask, who are we, God, that you should be mindful of us? You know, who, who are we? Do you ever you ever ask that question? Do you ever feel that? We, we come to recognize, I think, as we go through this journey of Lent that perhaps that's the wrong question. It's a biblical question. Uh, the, the, the psalmist asks that question in, in several of the psalms. Who, who am I that you would be mindful of me? But perhaps for us this year, as we journey through Lent, that we can, we can understand that as the wrong question, it's certainly not about who we are, but here's the question: Who is God? Who is God that He would would position Himself that way? God who lovingly breaks or, or lo- lovingly promises to to never send floodwaters again. That's what we talked about two weeks ago, breaking that sil- cycle of violence. God who who intervenes in the womb of Sarai renames her Sarah and brings fulfillment to the promise that he had given to Abram, who's now called Abraham, as we talked about last week, the promise to an old man and woman that they would give birth to a great nation. This is the God that we worship this Lent. Who is God? That becomes the question of our Lenten journey this year. Who is God? May we ask that question continually as we walk together through uh, this Old Testament series. And, and I think that particularly in these readings, it really begins to give form and shape to Yahweh God, our, our creator and our sustainer. Which brings us to our text today, uh, the Ten Commandments, certainly not unfamiliar. Um, I'm going to call on a few of you now without looking in your Bible or Googling how many of you can name all Ten Commandments. Don't call on me. Oh, I got a few hands. I'm not going to call on you. No, I was just, let keep you honest there a little bit. It's the song that helps, right, Mary Ellen? Absolutely. Uh, All the former Bible quizzes are like, question number one, question, I'm ready. Um, It's not lost on me that, that using the Ten Commandments text during uh, a Sunday during Lent or or a Sunday in Lent, maybe it's kind of kind of cruel. I had a sidebar here. I had a colleague um, on Facebook uh, mention that the Sundays of Lent are inaccurate. Do You remember we talked about how Sunday is kind of the the off day? Uh, it's forty days from Ash Wednesday to Holy Saturday, but you don't count the Sundays. So technically, Sundays aren't a part. Uh, of Lent so I I just you know in case my friends tuning in on my on my uh my sermon this morning I want to want to tell you that that Sundays during Lent and in Lent maybe it's cruel to bring up the Ten Commandments what do I mean by that well first of all there's Lent right preachers like me stand up and say you know give up coffee or give up Coke or give up sugar or give up whatever you love Uh, what is the what does the commandment say don't covet right? <laughs> like, how cruel is that? First I have to give it up, and then I can't covet. Come on. Freeberg, killing me. It's all very rules-based. It's all very rules-based. Lent, the season where some abstain and some give up, while others might take on some new discipline and say, what is God calling me to in this season? Some do both. And now the lectionary piles on (laughs) this text, the Big Ten. And the temptation is to focus on on laws and rules, to let the weight of Lent and the the, the instructions of the law kind of add pound upon pound onto our lives. Fill out our checklists. Make our to-dos more rules. I I think there's a richer and a more compassionate way uh, of framing these teachings that we read today uh, in Exodus chapter 20. Uh especially as we journey through this this season of Lent. Uh in in his introduction to the book of Exodus uh for the New Interpreter's Bible, uh there's a writer a theologian named Walter Brueggemann who says this about The 10 commandments. He writes this, these commands might be taken not as a series of rules, but as a proclamation in God's own mouth of who God is and how God shall be practiced by this community of liberated slaves. I'll read that again. That's good. Walter Walter hits the the nail on the head here. Walter Brueggemann writes, these commands might be taken not as a series of rules, but as a proclamation in God's own mouth of who God is and how God shall be practiced by this community of liberated slaves. He was saying, this is how you live your lives close to me. This is how your your life can be drawn in and be lived close to Yahweh God and isn't it just like us to some degree right we we we'd rather we'd, we'd we want a list of instructions <laughs> you know these specific directions step 1 you do this step 2 do that okay i don't know if this will register uh but have any of you ever seen ikea instructions like put this furniture together and you buy it from ikea and there's like these blobs that are supposed to be people and then pictures of pieces that look nothing like what you see in the package And then at the end, there's a picture of the whole furniture piece put together. And you're like, and everything has Swedish names. (laughs) I don't don't know. Um, Closest Ikea is is kind of far away. But um, sometimes we want just the list of instructions. Trent, do this. If God would just tell me, one, two, three, it would be so easy. I think Israel wanted it too. There's evidence that Israel wanted it too. What's happening in Exodus? Okay, we're, we're in Exodus 20 here when Moses receives the law on Mount Sinai. What's been happening? 14, Exodus 14, they cross the Red Sea. Exodus 15 is all about Moses's victory song. We made it. We escaped Pharaoh. We're out of Egypt, right? Exodus 16, they whine about food. Well, God, we're hungry. God provides male and quail, er, quail and manna. I almost said that wrong. Um, chapter 17, they whine about water. God provides. There's a quick battle scene in chapter 17, if you want to read that. Chapter 18, leadership lesson from father-in-law. Jethro shows up, says, Moses, you're doing too much. Exodus 19, they come to Sinai, and here they are in 20. What do they do after that? Exodus 21 through Exodus 40 are 20 more chapters in Exodus about instructions and guidelines. They wanted more instruction. Tell us how to do that. Not only that, after that, there are 27 chapters in Leviticus where you can really get lost in the weeds. More of the same. Do this, don't do that. You don't have to read all those chapters. You can just trust me, but I want you to have the freedom. Check check on me. Make sure I'm getting it right. Finally, in Numbers, we get back to the story of the people of God and their journey. And what do they do? They start with a census, (laughs) and then they begin to move towards Canaan and start thinking about inhabiting the land God has for them. What do they do? They send 12 spies into the land. Ten of them come back and say, whoa, there's people already living there. I thought this was our land. They're big. They're scary. They have, like, weapons and stuff. And two of them say, God sent us here. We should go. Well, they take a vote, and 10 outvotes too, and they say, "Wow, well, well, this is too scary. Maybe we should stay on the side of the, the Jordan River. God says, okay, you still have too much Egypt left in you. You're going to be in the desert for 40 years. And for 40 years, the Israelites wandered the desert with these rules. 20, 20 chapters in Exodus, 27 in Leviticus, and they wandered as desert people not claiming the promise that God had given them. And you kind of wonder what would have happened. What would have happened had they been confident in the promise of God? Fast forward to the New Testament when Jesus is uh, walking around Galilee and teaching, um, walked among us and lived and breathed. What's happening? The same stuff. People are still like, give me the rules, Jesus. Like, what's, what's the most important? Do you remember when Jesus was asked this question? What's the most important thing? What's the most important commandment? There's versions of it in Matthew 22 and Mark 12 and Luke 10. They all have a different version of this reduction of the law. What is most important? Just shoot, shoot straight with me, Jesus. If I boil it down to one tweet, how do I live like you want me to? What is it, Jesus? What's most important? What does he saying? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul, all your mind and all your strength. Oh, and love your neighbor as yourself. We always do that. We always go there. We really like a list. We really like to know. Let me check the boxes, and I'll be happy. What I see happening here on Mount Sinai, just like we saw in the flood, just like we saw with Abraham... Last week, God moving toward humanity, revealing the nature of the kingdom of God to us. The movement we always see and sense time and again in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, and today is God moving toward us and moving toward humanity. The Ten Commandments become for us, like Walter Brueggemann says, a testimony, God's testimony of who God is and how we can practice God in our lives. We get a glimpse of of what it's like to participate with God and in the kingdom of God. The the first four of these commandments really focus on our relationship with, with God They they easily separate into into two kind of lists, two categories of instructions as we look at the the commandments um, in Exodus 20. The first four focus on our our relationship with God. You shall have no other gods before me. Be careful about how you use my name. Take a Sabbath. Even, Even as I created with my words... I said, let there be light after six days. I said, let's take some time to rest. And God says, God invites us into this participation with Him of this rhythm of work and rest. The final six are more pointed towards our relationships with one another. Right? Don't steal, don't lie. Don't kill each other, don't commit adultery, don't covet. All these, these personal interaction kind of codes and teachings that he offers to us. And isn't it interesting how that mirrors and reflects Jesus' answer in the New Testament, right? Love the Lord your God. His first commandment, like the first four, pointed to our relationship with God. And love your neighbor as yourself. The second set that points out towards the relationships that we have with one another and how we treat those that we walk this life with. These 10 were given as as a gift to shape Israel's understanding of how to live, how to become this new entity, this new community called the people of God. They were becoming new. They were just trying to understand, to find this identity of of what it means to no longer have to live in Egypt. (laughs) They they were just running scared. They just ran scared through the Red Sea as the waters parted. And they're like, is the water going to stay? And they, they rushed across. And the chariots and the armies came through and they thought, Is it going to (laughs) stay? And the waters crashed around the armies of Pharaoh. And and then they started wandering through the desert toward this land that they had been told was theirs to possess. And then they ran out of food. And then they ran out of water. Then they had this battle where they were victorious and there were glimpses, maybe God's, going to come through. We come to Mount Sinai. And it's like God wanted to say, this is a chance for a new beginning. This is a chance as you you begin to see yourself in a new light, not as slaves occupying the country of a foreign land, but to become your own people. And God said, let me teach you about what it looks like to participate in the kingdom of God together with me. They were invited to become something new. And our invitation this Lent is the same. This Lent we are invited to reflect upon the ways that God has moved toward us, has moved toward us as God's people, charted for us a different and a new way of living called us out to be the people of God, just as he did Abram last week. But what do we see reflected in these Old Testament texts? In these Old Testament texts during Lent, there's this pattern that emerges. We worship a God who has always moved toward creation. That's us, moved towards his creation and invited us into relationship with a sustaining and a provisional God, a God who sustains us and provides for us. Have you experienced that? Have you seen that in your life? God is the first actor in this relationship and moves towards us first. The question becomes, how do we respond to that invitation? May I suggest our response be to allow ourselves to be transformed into Christ's likeness renewing our commitment to be moldable clay in the hands of Yahweh God, the potter who wishes to shape and form us.